It must have been utterly extraordinary to have been there on that first day when the Holy Spirit came, that first day of Pentecost. Imagine being part of the crowd who witnessed such strange events. Or even imagine being one of the disciples, touched with tongues of fire and blown apart by a violent wind. They must have felt completely out of control. The Holy Spirit, or as Jesus in the Gospel of John calls it, the Advocate, who is the Spirit of Truth, is the one who will testify on Jesus' behalf and also on behalf of the disciples, who Jesus says are to be guided into truth. But what does that mean to be guided into truth by the Spirit who advocates to and for us about what God wants? I think what happened that day at Pentecost is about truth and about power. It's about who has the power to speak truth and where that power comes from. Power and control are often very closely linked. Being powerful can cause others to feel out of control or helpless. We don't need to look any further than the headlines from this past week, from Minneapolis to Louisville to Hong Kong, even to the World Health Organization. Clearly, it depends on how power is used and who is wielding it. Power without truth and justice can lead to chaos or worse, as we currently have daily proof. But God's power, the power of the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, is always about truth and justice. And therefore, it works in all things for good. Which is interesting because I think the power of the Advocate and the Holy Spirit also leads to feeling out of control, like the disciples on that day of Pentecost. So in the context of the Holy Spirit, maybe feeling out of control is not always such a bad thing. Or if we think about it another way, maybe the Holy Spirit allows us to be free. Free enough to take a risk, to try something new, to allow ourselves to be blown around a bit by God's breath. After Jesus ascended, all the disciples knew was that the Holy Spirit was coming to them to give them power to be witnesses for Jesus in the world. But no further details had, had arrived from the skies or in visions or dreams to make that any more clear than how it sounded as they stood at the hill staring up into the sky a week ago. They were all well aware that people from all over the world were attending the Pentecost festival in Jerusalem. And so maybe a part of them hoped that this power that would be promised to come would finally put their small band of Jesus followers in control. 
bringing an end to the chaotic and oppressive regime of the Romans. In typical human mindsets, that is definitely a future worth working for. Restoring order and control, but with the right people determining order and control. However, the Holy Spirit that day in Jerusalem did not end the chaos. It did not end the chaos. It caused freedom from restraint, from constraint, and freedom from fear. It blew apart the binary choice of chaos or control and revealed instead a third way of transformation and wonder and grace in the midst of chaos. This is the kind of chaos that is actually not out of control because it's the force of God at work. The transforming power is God's in the midst of it all, not ours. Human endeavors determined to uphold human definitions of power and control will inevitably fail. It will inevitably fall short and leave people out. But when the Holy Spirit comes, that risky, uncontrollable power reaching down from heaven to earth, when the Holy Spirit comes, we will be transformed. For that's exactly what happened to the disciples. The promised power did put these disciples in control, but not in a way that put them over others. This control and power made it possible for them to be with others, to share the gospel with people from every nation and tongue, maybe giving them a little holy envy in the process, to empower them with the good news of Jesus, to speak it in languages unfamiliar to them, but desperately in need to hear the good news for others. The power from the Spirit was enough to blow apart the false choices that kept the followers of Jesus thinking they were safe as long as they stayed removed from the chaos outside and sent them out with a bold faithfulness to transform the world. As preacher and professor Eileen Campbell Reed so poetically writes, when the winds blew and the fire swept through and language broke out clear and true, everything changed. The spirit set them free. And then it seemed that the future just wasn't what it used to be. Among these followers of Jesus, no longer would Pentecost be just another important and holy day in the Jewish calendar, signifying 49 days from Passover. Pentecost from henceforth would come to mean the day when God's resurrection moment at Easter became God's resurrection movement of believers witnessing to the good news, planting seeds of the gospel, and tending the new growth of communities to blossom and produce more seed-bearing fruit. The Spirit set them free from the rituals and conventions, propelling them out into the streets to declare the good news, that the future isn't what it used to be. And when things don't turn out as planned, 
The natural question is the same one we ask that the crowds asked when their expectations got turned upside down. What does this mean? In every age, when God does something spectacular, unexpected, surprising, the people of God must ask, what does this mean? How are we to make sense of this new occurrence that is not part of the story we thought we were living? In Peter's response to the crowds, we can find a similar way of responding to that question that could fit for us. We tell a future story. A future story is a story we tell ourselves about the future that helps to mold us into who we are at present. What we want to be helps us set our course, make choices here and now in the present so that with God's help, we can become the people we're telling the story about. Kids do this naturally. If you had asked me as a kid what I wanted to be when I grew up, I had two alternating choices, astronaut or a lawyer. You heard about the astronaut stuff last week when Buddy brought up about the space mission that he watched as a kid. And it got me thinking that I didn't really play house as a child very much. I played mission control or office. I had an old computer keyboard from my dad's law office, old telephones with the rotary dials or the punch buttons with hold and mute and transfer, and legal pads that I could plan either mission to the planets or keep case notes on my growing stack of clients. I don't know if mom and dad still have any of that, but that was hours of entertainment playing office. Now the astronaut dream, of course, went away because I realized science and math were very important subjects to that field of study and they were not very important subjects to me. But I do love legal pads still. Often I have two going at the same time, one's yellow, one's white, and they're color-coded for reasons that make sense probably only to me, to keep track of ideas and notes. So we don't stop telling future stories when we reach adulthood. We carry some of those stories with us as we grow. We keep telling these stories throughout our lives. For stories like these have the power to make worlds and the power to unmake them too. In Peter's response to the question of the crowd, he quotes the prophet Joel, who told a future story to the Israelites in Joel's day and time as a way to confirm in Peter's day the identities of this group of now multilingual Jesus followers and to say this is what's happening right now in our present moment. In those days, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young ones will see visions. Your old ones will dream dreams. For Peter, in those days meant in these days where we are right now. 
So can we make a similar claim as we think about what it means to be church in Hendersonville, North Carolina in 2020? Can we claim that same power to let the stories of scripture shape our present and future? When we look around us and ask ourselves, what does all of this mean? We are ushered onto holy ground and invited to reflect deeply on other questions that arise. Questions like what are the visions the young ones in our midst see? Are we willing to ask them and take their vision seriously? Will the old ones step back to let the young ones step up? What are the dreams of our elders that have yet to come true? And might the visions of the young be the fulfillment of dreams of the old? How do we respond to this Holy Spirit of God, the fire and wind and breath of life that cannot be contained and is determined to refine, renew, and redeem? There is a place in our response for planning and discernment. We couldn't function as a society or a congregation without it. But what Pentecost shows us is that human planning is not enough. We must also be open to receive God's abundant, uncontrollable spirit and not be so bound up in our planning and strategy for power and control that we're unable to let God's power have control in us. William Temple was the Archbishop of Canterbury in the 1940s. He was passionate about a just society and social reforms, and he said that change is never without inconvenience, even when for the good. Meaning change is always uncomfortable. It makes us feel a little out of control, even when the change is for the better. But remember the Holy Spirit blows into the heart of change and transformation and will not leave us comfortless or without an advocate when we find ourselves blown about by God's breath. We need to remember this story today, especially on this Pentecost. For it's a story for both our future and our present. We live in a world where words have become toxic, where languages of so many cherished isms threaten to divide and destroy us. The troubles of our day are global, civilizational, and catastrophic. And all of them are happening now in the midst of an ongoing global pandemic. So it's really tempting to grow complacent or to despair, or to turn in on ourselves and forget we are part of a much larger whole. If we don't learn the art of speaking across the borders and choices and ideologies that currently separate us, 
I'm afraid we will burn ourselves down to ash. But here's what gives me hope. We don't leave it there. We remember that in the face of difference, God still worked on people who were willing and motivated to change. And in the face of fear, Jesus promised an advocate who would help us hold on to the truth and breathed peace on us. And out of the heart of deep difference, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gave birth to the church. So God is not done. Not with you, not with me, not with us, not the world. Today may we receive the Holy Spirit. For ever since that day when the winds blew and the fire swept through and language broke out clear and true, everything changed because the Spirit set us free so that lately our future just isn't what it used to be. Thanks be to God. Amen.